Good morning. It is a joy to be with you today to share the goodness of our God and his grace. It is good to be in Wildcats country. <laughs> As I was driving in from the airport last night, I saw that sign, that billboard up, welcome to Wildcats country. I said, all right, this is a good place to be. I bring you greetings from Brooklyn, New York. Anybody from Brooklyn in the house? <laughs> I want you to know God is alive and well in the city. And we give him praise that he is at work all over the world. For the next few days, I'll be taking you on a journey. A personal journey. A journey that I embarked upon several years ago. I discovered that during a time of worship, personal worship and devotion, God the Holy Spirit was bringing a question that I could not dodge, a question that came incessantly. And the question was simply this, what are you thirsty for? I was pastoring my local church in Brooklyn. The church was growing. Things were going well. And I found it strange that over and over that question would come, what are you thirsty for? And so I discovered one affirming truth, and that truth is this. The Christian experience is a transformational one. The Christian experience is a transformational one. And so when you examine the story of the prodigal son found in Luke 15, it is very suggestive of this. It only took a few hours to get the prodigal out of the far country, but undoubtedly it took many years to get the far country out of the prodigal. <laughs> he was in instantly forgiven when he returned to his father, justified, declared to be not guilty, and given tokens of acceptance such as the ring, the robe, and of course, that great reception. But I can almost guess that there were some habitual thoughts to conquer. I can just imagine how the enemy would have attacked him with guilt for wasting his inheritance. And what about the lingering censure of his big brother. You see, salvation in Christ is both immediate and yet progressive. Immediate in that we are instantly made right with God when we ask Jesus Christ to come into our hearts and lives. His sacrifice pays the penalty in price. But salvation is also progressive in that we must engage in a lifelong process of working out the implications of justification in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our relationships, in our service, and in life practices. And this is where spiritual disciplines are crucial. Spiritual disciplines may be defined as spiritual practices that encourage spiritual growth and spiritual formation. 
They are life patterns, Dr. Jerry Pence would say. Life patterns that direct us to God and disciple us more fully into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Spiritual disciplines. Now, disciplines are not the means of sanctification. That is the work of God. But rather, they are ways of making ourselves available to God so that spiritual growth can take place. And so conversion is a gift and yet an achievement. It is an act of a moment and yet the work of a lifetime. You cannot achieve salvation by disciplines. Is that right? Salvation is the gift of God. And yet you cannot retain it without disciplines. You and I need to embrace spiritual disciplines in our lives. You see, my friends, if you try to attain salvation by disciplines, you will be trying to discipline an unsurrendered self. And that is virtually impossible. While salvation cannot be attained by disciplines, yet, my friends, when our self is surrendered to Christ, Christ becomes the center. And the center and our lives can now be disciplined around Christ. Amen, somebody. And so discipline is the fruit of conversion. It is not the root. What are you thirsty for? As that question came to me by the Holy Spirit, I recognized that God wanted to do more in my heart and life. That the process of spiritual growth is not one that stops when we get a title or when we have a position. But as long as you and I are alive, we must remain thirsty for God. I hear the psalmist saying, as the deer pants after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I confess to you today that I'm thirsty, that after almost 37 years of being saved and serving God, that within my heart there is still a desire for him. I want more of him. What are you thirsty for? And so as I continued my journey, I discovered that this journey is first upward. What are you thirsty for, Anthony Graham? God was calling me upward. Hear the word, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. And for the next few days, we'll be focusing on Daniel. And this is our text and our key verse for today. The Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel purposed in his heart. The journey is first upward. Daniel was a man who lived life on purpose. And if we are to ascend into the hill of God and become the man and woman that God would have us be, he calls us to live a life of purpose. Christ must be the center. 
He calls us to passionately follow Christ. And what does that mean? It means that Christ becomes my focus. It means that I'm, I've set my affection on things above and not on things on the earth. It means, according to Matthew 6 and 33, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things, according to the promise, it will fall into place. Living life on purpose, Daniel was one who lived on purpose. Hear the word. Daniel purposed in his heart. Not only did Daniel live on purpose, Daniel pursued purity. Hear the word, that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. We live in a time when right is wrong, and what is wrong is often considered right. We live in a time when people tell you that truth is relative, but I beg to differ. The Bible that I read and you read sets the standard for truth. And I'm glad that in this book we find truth. And in Psalm 119 and verse 64, the psalmist declares, Teach me thy statutes. Teach me thy laws. And in Psalm 119 and verse 1, this is what we read. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the laws of God. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat or drink. And Psalm 119 verse 1 says, Blessed are the undefiled. In the NIV, it reads, Blessed are the blameless. Friends, I want to live blamelessly. What about you? I want to so walk before God that my life is blameless. And if we are to be blessed by God, we must pursue purity. We must live life on purpose. I believe that God is able to raise up a Daniel generation, young people who purpose in their hearts that they will not be secular, that they will not be like the others, but young people who love Jesus. I said young people who love Jesus. I said young people who love Jesus. Is there a church in this house? Young people who love Jesus and are not ashamed to be identified with the principles that Jesus taught. For the word of God says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. If you love Jesus, would you give him a clap offering today? It's a journey. It's a journey. Thank God for salvation, but your experience in God does not stop at salvation. God has more for you. There is something called sanctification, and that is when you decide to give your all to Jesus Christ. It is when you open every door of your heart and you say, I do not only want you to be my Savior, I want you to be my Lord. Is there somebody who would say, Amen. 
And so, my friends, it's a journey. He calls us. The Bible says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. And so as I continued my journey, there are three things that the Lord laid upon my heart. Three things that he wanted to make a spiritual discipline in my life. And the first, availability for solitude. Availability for solitude. Hear the word of God, Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Availability for solitude. In times of trouble, Daniel knew where to go. When the going got rough, Daniel knew who to call on. God calls us to be alone with us. Are you available today? I want you to know that silence does not guarantee solitude. And solitude is not the same thing as loneliness. But someone has said that solitude is intentional isolation from others and planned availability to God. Intentionally separating yourself from everyone around you, and having a quiet time. Did you speak with him this morning? Did you allow him to minister to your heart today? I know that school involves papers, 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 and more papers. Is that right, somebody? I know you have books to read. I know you have assignments to complete. I know that you have to meet in your groups and come up with different assignments. I am fully aware of that. But I want to encourage you and remind you that the most important meeting you can have is your meeting with God. Can I hear the church say amen? My friends, you need to make yourself available to him. First thing in the morning, before you drink a cup of coffee, before you look at CNN, before you call your mama or papa, you get on your knees and talk to your heavenly father. I want you to know he wants to help you. I said he wants to strengthen you. I said he wants to inspire you. He wants to give you all that you need to address the issues of the day. As my journey continued, and I had so much to do, pastoring a church and having a full-time job, a tenured dean in the New York City public school system, 24 and a half years, blessed be God, and now pastoring two congregations. New Hope Family Worship Center is one church in two locations. In our primary location, we had 1,105 people last weekend, and in our second location, 77 people. God is at work in the city. Can somebody give God praise? 
But in the midst of all that I had to do in preparing for public school to teach for six and a half hours a day and pastoring a growing congregation and addressing the needs of all the people, in, in spite of all the phone calls I had to make and assignments to complete, the Lord said to me, your availability to me is most important. And if you want to be effective, you must be selective. Start with me and you'll do well during the day. If you start with God, you will end well. He'll give you the strength you need. He will open your understanding. He will help you to remember for those exams. Uh, include Jesus during your day. Make yourself available and he will bless you. And he will bless you. And he will bless you. Let the people say amen. Availability for solitude, intentional isolation from others, and planned availability to God. Learn to wait in his presence. He wants to strengthen you. Position yourself so that he can speak to you. And of course, you can speak to him. But the second thing the Lord laid upon my heart was attention to Bible meditation. Not only should we make ourselves available for solitude so that we can speak to him, and of course he speaks to us, but we also need to make ourselves available to study the Word of God. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Now, how did Daniel know what to do and what to stay away from? Well, Leviticus chapter 11 verse 8 tells us, Hear the word, of their flesh shall ye not eat, and their carcass shall ye not touch, for they are unclean to you. This is the word of the Lord. So when Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself, he understood that the word of God gave clear direction in reference to his diet and what he should partake of. And even though, my friends, he was in the courts of the king and the king was offering meat from his table and drink from his table, Daniel said, I'm sorry. I have made a commitment to God. And I want to honor that commitment. He purposed in his heart, attention to Bible meditation. Do you read the Bible? Of course, there are many who would say, sure, I do. But how do you read the Word? I want you to know that if we are to grow spiritually, we must give ourselves to the study of the Word of God. If you believe it, would you say Amen. Bible meditation is more than, though not less, an exegesis of the Word. And what is an exegesis? It is the science of understanding the text in its context. When we meditate on the Word, we internalize what we have read and heard so that our fundamental longings and addictions are addressed by the inseminating Word of God. 
We need to meditate on the word. This was the challenge that came to me, that I should meditate on the word, that I should brood over the word, that I should rehearse the word in my heart and mind, that I should meditate, yes, ponder. I should, I should, I should think about the word daily. And I want to encourage you, continue to hide the word of God in your heart. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Daniel prevented himself from sinning because he was aware of what the word of God says. Well, we live in a time when many discount the word. As a matter of fact, there are some churches you may go to and the pastor preaches a message on psychology or sociology. But I'm glad that in the Wesleyan church, we still believe in the word of God. Amen, somebody. And I'm glad, yes, let's give God praise. We believe in the word. We believe that the word of God is our compass through this life. This life is like a maze in the absence of the word. But the word teaches us. The Word informs us. The Word instructs us. The Word will guide us. Your decisions can be good ones if it is aligned with the Word. And so, my friends, we thank God for the Word. And I want to encourage you and challenge you in the midst of all the books that you will read. Make time for the study of the Bible. If you believe it, would you give the Lord a clap offering today? The encouragement then is to be systematic in your study. Carefully prepare subjects that you need to be aware of and go to the Word. Be thorough in your examination. Find every possible passage dealing with that particular topic and read it in its entirety. Be exact also in your study. And so my friends, my journey the Lord challenged me, even though I was pastoring and even though the church was doing well, he was saying, I want to draw you nearer. I want to take you higher. What are you thirsty for? The question that would not leave my heart. Anthony Graham, what do you want? Is it position? Is it possession? What are you pursuing? It drove me to my knees. And as I began to seek God, he informed me that he wanted to take me higher, the journey upward. It's a journey that demands you make yourself available to him. I need to hear him. I have now learned before I make any decision, as good as it may appear to be the thing before me, I need to hear him. What is he saying? For the word says, acknowledge the Lord in all thy ways, and he will direct your path. Availability for solitude, attention to meditation. But the third thing the Lord drew to my attention that he wanted me to do was spend time adoring him. Hear the word, Daniel chapter 2, reading from verse 20. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever." And ever, for wisdom and might are his, 
and he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. Oh, Daniel was no ordinary young man. This was a young man who understood the virtue and the value of adoring God. Do you adore him? Do you adore him? And what does that mean? In the true sense, my friends, it is the act of paying honor to God. The word is derived from the Latin word adorea. Adorea. And what does that mean? It means, praise be to God, to speak to, to beseech, to entreat, to do homage, to worship. So Daniel was no ordinary young man. He was a young man who gave himself to prayer and understood the value of worship. Do you worship him? Well, I know that we can worship in singing, and yes, we can worship by even listening. But I want you to know that worship entails speaking. It is when you speak to your God. Uh, someone has said that adoration is intense admiration culminating in reverence and worship. And I want you to know that the God we serve is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. And I want to encourage you every single day to make time to adore your God, to spend time in his presence, blessing him for who he is and for what he has done. Look at how far he has brought you. Look at the place that he has positioned you. He has brought you to one of the best universities in the United States of America. I thank God for IWU, and God made it possible for you to be here, giving you access to spiritual men and women, men and women who not only know the Word, but live the Word and are able to teach the Word. I think God is worthy of our praise. If you agree, would you give him a clap offering this morning? Oh, spend time worshiping. Yes, spend time in your quiet place, blessing the Lord. I hear the psalmist declaring, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And when you think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for you, your soul should cry out, hallelujah, Thank you, Lord, for remembering me. I want you to know that there is victory in worship. As a matter of fact, the one thing the devil doesn't want you to do is worship the Lord. There is strength in worship. When we begin to see and just think about the God we serve, our problems become, the mountains become molehills, and you recognize that God is able. I said, God is able. I said, God is able. You're not hearing me. I said, God is able. Yes, he is. 
to do the exceeding abundantly above all that you might ask, think, or imagine. As you begin to worship God, you think and remember that what he did in the past, he is able to do in the present. You do not have any problem that my God cannot solve. If you believe it, would you say amen? I will worship my God in spite of. A woman brought her son to church a couple uh, months ago, and this boy had a hole in his heart. A hole in his heart. The mother brought the boy forward for prayer. We anointed the child with oil and prayed over the child. The mother took the child back to the doctor and the hole, the open hole was now closed. Come on somebody, God is able. I said God is able. Touch your neighbor and say God is able. Oh, we had a woman come to church and she had breast cancer breast cancer. She came forward. She was anointed with oil, went back to the doctor, and the doctor could not find one trace of cancer in her body. I want you to know God is able. We had a, a family come into my office, Pastor Graham. My wife was just uh, uh, diagnosed with lupus. The doctor diagnosed her with lupus. Well, we anointed her with oil, prayed the prayer of faith. She went back to the doctor, and the doctor could not find one trace of lupus in her body because the God that we serve is a mighty God, amazing, wonderful, awesome. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you do not have any problem that he cannot solve. If you believe it, would you give him a clap offering today? So I ask you the question, what are you thirsty for? What are you pursuing? Get as much education as you can, but there's so much more that God has for you. Get married and have a family. Get a good job and live in a wonderful community and drive a beautiful car. But there's so much more that God has for you. What are you thirsty for? Are you available for solitude? Will you give attention to meditation? And will you spend time adoring him. Friends, he is worthy of our praise. I want to close this morning by praying for some people, and I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. Listen to this. If within your heart there is a thirst for more of him, I want to ask you to stand right where you are. If there is a thirst for more, there is more. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the student body 
these wonderful young people that you have brought together from all over the world. Lord, we thank you for them. And we believe with all of our hearts that there is more that you desire them to experience. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will give them a thirst. I ask you today to intensify their thirst for you and for what you will do in their hearts and lives. We will give you and you alone all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Would you give the Lord a clap offering this morning for the word that you heard? And I'm out of here. God bless you. Come on, let's clap unto the Lord again. Let's give him another clap offering. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.